right, welcome back to Generally Assembled, your favorite House Republican podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Gottesman, once again joined by uh, Neil Lesher, and guess who's back? Back again. Jesse's back. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I, and I'm excited. It's been a couple weeks, and uh, I am back to restore order. Okay, Thanos. Um, yeah, we look. <laughs> Listen, uh, look, yeah, we that, didn't work, that didn't work great for him, but um, he was for pretty, a while. He was pretty. I was about to say he was pretty cool for a while. So, well, I'll take and, it. And something that we uh, were talking about off off air is: Did you guys see the Eternals? Did you guys watch the Eternals movie? No, I, I actually haven't Eternals. yet. It's very good. There's a Thanos tie-in. Thanos has quite the extended family. Yeah. Um, and Thanos was an Eternal, uh, which you may or may not know from the comic books. But since you all haven't seen it. I'll leave it. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. But Eternals, and you watch uh, Shang Chi: Legend of the Ten Rings. I have not that seen one? that one yet. Uh, no. Also, very good. Highly recommend both of them. And if you're going to stay, and and if you're going to stay up to date on the Marvel stuff, watching the Spider-Man movie is not nearly enough, Neil. Um, yeah, you no. Need, and, you need to watch the other ones. And my son, who's the big Marvel fan, he's he's watched um, Doctor Strange, the new Doctor Strange movie. I'm looking very much forward to uh, the new Thor movie coming out, but I have not yet gone into the rabbit hole of um of some of the some of the smaller ones that i probably should but uh, you know i've also we've also been a little busy lately yeah it's not like you know it's, uh, it's, not, like, it's not like there's, there's anything going on here right, right. um so let's let's talk about one of those big things uh that continues to to be percolating here not only in in the commonwealth but also in dc which is the leaked draft opinion on the the Dobbs case, and you know, uh, Representative Topper, I know I saw that we were quoted in a story together, and you have some strong opinions about the league itself. Yeah, start, the, start there. Yeah, first of all, mm. I, I, look, I'm a I'm an institutionalist when it comes to the House. Also, our court system. One thing that has been very troubling to me has been the diminishing of our institutions over the past few years in the eyes of the public, but also in the in the folks who serve here, and we've seen that. And this is just another one of those cases where this is an egregious break from protocol that actually could it could be shown to have been done to influence the decision one way or the other which is not correct look i'm unabashedly pro-life that's my record it's what i believe both from a personal level and i also believe that when it comes to roe v wade the reason what makes it so improper in terms of how it was decided was these should be decisions that are left up to the states to to figure out because they are inherently public policy decisions right but at the end of the day, there still has to be protocol. There still has to be rules of institutions in place or else we'd evolve into chaos. And, and that's why I have such a strong opinion about the leak. And look, we don't know how this is going to be signed. Everybody just assumes that, oh, well, it's going to be the Alito uh, group is going to be the, the opinion and it's going to be decided a certain way. I've heard from many scholars that said, whoa, wait a minute, this, that might not necessarily be the case. We don't know what's coming out. We don't know if Roberts is going to have a different opinion, a concurring opinion. We don't know what the dissent opinion is going to be. And we don't even know what is going to be the majority opinion or the dissent opinion yet. So we have to wait and see. And everybody needs to take a breath and understand that however this is decided, the states will be taking more of a role. However this is decided, this this will this will bring the states more to the forefront of this issue. And of course, we're already seeing at the federal level that everybody's trying to get out in front of it. And, and it's it's been an unfortunate time in terms of our history. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday I, I, I spent some time after as I've always called him, Bob Casey in name only, he's decided that he was going to be voting for the federal codification of Roe v. Wade. Was just doing a little bit of a Google search to find if I could see if I could find some good quotes from uh, Governor Casey, who was his dad, uh, and who was adamantly pro-life, was literally excommunicated from the Democratic Party 
as a result of his pro-life stance. Really, the second gigantic abortion case in the U.S. Supreme Court was Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania v. Casey, which challenged Pennsylvania's Abortion Control Act, which is, is still in place. And, you know, Governor Casey at this public address, uh, which was his first one after that Supreme Court case, basically said that the states should be deciding this because the Supreme Court is not a place for compromise. It's not a place where there can be negotiation and bargaining. It's a place where things come down from on high, orders are, are put upon people. And when you're talking about an issue, as he put it, that is life, literally life or death, and is a decision over who gets to be admitted to the table of the human family, which is a great quote, that should be done in the political process where people have the ability to elect their voice that then can decide for them what what happens it, it gives the people are these that this is too great of an issue to be decided from on high without sort of that millstone right uh, millstone is wrong but the, the 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 process that whittling down that 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 narrowing of uh, how things are done and, and what's right for a particular state. It's the compelling interest argument, which is really what the court should decide, which is, is there a compelling interest for the court to step in and say it is unreasonable for the legislatures to make law in this field, right? And and what I think the Alito draft opinion says, which is what many of us believe, that no, the, the compelling interest lies with the states in this case. There is no compelling interest for the courts to decide this for the entire country. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it comes out. You bring up Governor Casey. I, I don't know that Governor—well, I'm pretty sure Governor Casey would not be—if he wasn't welcome in the Democratic Party then, he sure as anything else would not be welcome now. There, one of the things that's interesting on this, too, is uh, Bill Maher on his program made an interesting point that Roe v. Wade has been enshrined in the United States for so long that a lot of people haven't really even thought very deeply about our abortion policies. You know, and, and he kind of said to his guests, you know, one of the things I learned this week is that Europe, every European country nearly, has more restrictive abortion laws than the United States. We're actually an outlier. You know, of course, all of his guests looked at him cross-eyed because they, they thought, oh, geez, I didn't know that. And I think what he was getting at is pointing out the extremism on abortion that has crept up within the Democratic Party. In remarks to the press uh, just last week, Joe Biden actually used the words abort babies, uh, which is new. I mean, That's it, correct. It, it, yep, they're calling they, them babies. They yeah. usually avoid that and do, do backflips to try to justify and call it anything else. And, uh, you know, earlier this week, you had uh, his Treasury Secretary actually testify in front of the U.S. Senate and make the argument that abortion is good for the U.S. economy because poor black women can't afford to have babies. Essentially making a eugenics argument, of course, and, you know, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott shot back, well, as somebody who's born into poverty by a black mother, I'm happy to be sitting here as a U.S. senator today, which I thought was a great response. This has really revealed where the left feels their kind of golden altar has, has been, and it is abortion. And, and that's why I think uh, the leak has been so damaging to the trust in the institution is because it does feel like it was done to try and influence a decision. And we're seeing that all over, guys. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing this almost martyr syndrome where, where people feel like it's, it's almost heroic to damage the institutions of which they serve. Well, and, but, but, and, and I think that that, that is becoming uh, problematic in all of our fields right now. It absolutely is, and it's because people don't like the result. They don't like the fact that their ideas don't have support today. 
And so they're not willing to work through the process that's been given to them, the process that we has held this country together for almost 250 years now, um, a process that speaks for the voice of the people, a process that has created the greatest country on earth. But speaking of the process, our side, and I'm talking about the pro-life side in this issue, also needs to understand what it means to be strategic. And a a colleague and I were talking the other day about what that strategy might look like. We have to admit, we don't live in Alabama. We don't live in Mississippi. When it does come time for the legislature to actually have an active role in this, we need to make sure that we're part of the conversation that actually works in Pennsylvania, that can get done in Pennsylvania in terms of limiting the abortions, limiting the amount of of the unborn that are killed. It might not be everybody's ideal of what it can be in some of but we have to be able to be strategic as we discuss this issue, which is very sensitive, which still draws a lot of emotion, especially in an election year in certain parts of the state. So our side also needs to understand that there's a process in place. If this comes back to us, we need to message well, we need to uh, be empathetic, but we also need to be strong in our convictions. And that rope is a tight one that we will have to walk in Pennsylvania because we are not Texas. Right. We are not some of these other states that will be able to come out in Utah and other places. And we have to figure out a way to do it a little more strategically. So both sides uh, need to understand that's how it works. And and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do that. You know, the other big issue we have that's going to be facing us over the next five session weeks, starting on May 23rd, is the budget. And look, I think we talked on the last show, Neil, about, you know, what it means to have such a robust uh, economy. But I think one of the things that we need to look at, and I was telling a reporter this earlier this week, is that actually having these good numbers needs to be a huge warning symbol to, uh, you know, red or yellow flashing light to people because the economy has been propped up using fake metrics. Monopoly money. Yeah. My favorite term. and, And we need to avoid those same policies that look, it's it's always it's we're creating a state budget bubble, right? Right now. Well, Neil, what 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 do you think at the end of the day? Uh, you see all the updated numbers. The surplus prediction for you is, um, it's going to be north of five billion dollars. That's right. And um, if ten billion of it has been promised, then that leaves us a problem. <laughs> and that's what we're you know we're talking. <clears throat> doesn't matter how big your quote surplus is, especially if it's a lot of one time money. If everybody keeps promising more than what it is then this budget cycle will be a difficult one. Well, and the other thing is, too, before we start talking about creating new programs, you know, and we've said this here before, between the legislative Democrats, the Wolf administration, and aspiring Governor Shapiro, they've come up with $6 billion worth of spending proposals for the remaining $2 billion in federal funds that we have, right? But we need to look at what our debts are, too. You know, through some of this, we've accrued some debts. We need to pay those off, our unemployment trust fund being one of them. Absolutely. Um, you know, we should be putting about $400 million of that money into the unemployment trust fund so that we don't see an increase in employer taxes come next year. You know, it's not employers' fault that unemployment went up during the pandemic. It's Tom Wolf's fault. So we need to pay that off. It's not their – they shouldn't have to it's pay that. It's all Tom Wolf's fault. Well, I mean, everything's Tom Wolf's <laughs> fault. But, um, but there's also things that we have done uh, to avoid raising taxes over the years, and I think it was the right thing to do, but we've borrowed money from some, from some funds. I think we should look now that we have a surplus, we should look at un, you know, paying off some of those debts that are going to come due eventually. That's right. Um, and that's what responsible people do when they have a, a good year. This is our opportunity to really get our fiscal house in order 
for the days that are coming when we will not have surpluses, when the revenues will be below estimate, not above. This is our opportunity. That's what being a good fiscal steward means. And, and I believe that's a message that people can understand and relate to. That's why we have to keep harping on it and saying this is what we're trying to do. It's not about, well, we don't think your program's worthy or we don't think this area of spending is worthy. This is an opportunity for us for, for us to get our house in order so that we can continue down the road to fund programs. We can't make promises that we can't keep and how many times we've heard that about the the politics in general is so many people make promises they don't come through we're trying to do the opposite you know let, let's be let's be the believers uh in the old saying you know under promise over deliver as a as opposed to over promise and under deliver well, it's because that's what Democrats do. They overpromise and underdeliver. But and it's easy to do that when you're in the minority, right? Yeah. It's easy to just come up with, or or when you're Josh Shapiro and you're not actually in office right now. It's easy to just come up with things. We're the ones who have to be uh, the responsible ones, if you the adults in the room, if you will, uh, when it comes to this budget negotiating table. And I have absolute confidence that we will be. Well, and the other thing that we can do with these higher revenues is actually return the money to the people where it came from, and and we can do that through tax cuts. Um, you know, and and I know. Jesse, we actually talked about your bill uh, to fix this, the sales tax collection issue that a lot of small business owners uh, complain about. We can do that this year. It's a one-time thing. Yep. Um, we can reduce the corporate net income tax, which we've long heard is a barrier to growing jobs here in Pennsylvania. We can do some tax simplification for small businesses. You know, I mean, there's when you look at the budget, there's kind of two there's two sides of it. There's revenues coming in, then there's spend expenditures going out, and you can cut from either side. And the more we make Pennsylvania business friendly, those revenues eventually will come back to us. But this is the year to make some of those changes, and and I believe so far what we've shown in the House is we can get that done. So we hope that continues. I mean, for instance, uh, my bill on the eliminating the accelerated sales tax passed unanimously. So it's it's not as though this stuff can't get done. All right. Anybody got anything on Rich Strike? No, I didn't put any money on no, it. No, I wish I, I had. <laughs> I was actually, at, while the Derby was going on, I had an Eagle Scout ceremony in the district. Uh, so congratulations, Ben Weiler, for achieving your Eagle Scout. Shout-outs for shout-outs. There it is. <laughs> and I, I get back to the, to the house and, and realize, wow, this is a huge upset. So you go back and you watch it and... Uh, you know, those races go by so quick. But what was interesting about that, if you go back and watch it, even the announcers were surprised at the end. Like, yeah, they don't actually the mention Rich Strike until he's basically exactly, across the finish line. Until he wins. Like, that, yeah. Is, yeah. that is the absolute definition of a, if you will, a dark horse, right? Yeah. That, that literally, it's just like, oh, and there we go. Oh, and, and Rich Strike, we haven't yeah. even talked about just one. <laughs> so, hey, great, great one for the underdog. And uh, that's why sports, you know, you can't script it, right? You can't script athletic events and I, I love it well and then he, pro he provided a bit of entertainment afterwards as they were trying to get him to the, the victory circle and he was acting up and but bit the guy in the leg or whatever i think it was Absolutely. like i think it was like i think it was like i think it was like barstool sports it was like yeah. imagine winning the kentucky derby only you got punched in the face <laughs> you know what though that's it that just shows that sometimes uh as a horse you can you know you can let your emotions fly a little bit too so good for him hey listen he's gonna have a pretty comfy life yeah uh, we're moving yeah, forward and, so. and, and but you know i think if if you're able to find it, um, I think it's on NBC Sports's uh, Instagram account, which is where, where I've showed people, is the overhead where they'll actually put the peg up to where Rich Strike was and where the, the leader was. And how far Rich Strike started behind 
to how he got there and watching him go through and wait to, for everybody to break to the outside and he zooms on the inside. It's really like you don't have an appreciation for it when you're watching it in the original broadcast, but when you see that overhead and watching him move around, it's really incredible. So All right, real quick, I don't have a full PA Dems or San Francisco. I just have one. This state's election official is actually uh, in an argument with a local district attorney over having agents watch the county's mail-in ballot drop box. It's very obviously Pennsylvania, and uh, I think it should be pointed out that Representative Gary Day today just called on her to resign or the governor to terminate her and law enforcement to investigate her for her role in wow. allowing uh, election fraud. Yeah, I mean, for, the, for those of you that don't know, in Lehigh County, the district attorney actually put out a report that they had on video surveillance multiple people violating the election laws by returning multiple mail-in ballots, which is against the law currently. Now, I don't think he wants to have to prosecute people for that. So his solution is, I'm just going to have some of my agents sit by the drop box and make sure that everybody's following the law. And Tom Wolf's election official is actually fighting that, is actually fighting election integrity. And it's amazing. I, I don't understand. It seems like a pretty simple thing. Like, look, all we're asking for are measures that are not preventing people from voting. It's just making sure it's done well. And, and I don't know why that's a fight, but it seems like now... There is no common sense. We just want to fight about everything. And good for Gary to come out and, uh, and respond. All right. Well, that's uh, generally assembled for uh, this week. Uh, we will be back with another episode. Until then, for uh, Neil, Representative Topper, I'm Jason. So you can find this podcast where all of your favorite House Republican podcasts are found, www.pahousegop.com slash my podcasts. We'll see you later. Bye.